This is Spark My Muse, and I'm your host, Lisa DeLay. You're listening to Soul School, Lesson 142, A Life of Value. Before I begin on the lesson today, I want to encourage you to go visit eventbrite.com and look up Sacred Spaces Santa Fe. I'm hosting with some friends a fantastic and extraordinary weekend in June 2020. It's going to be in New Mexico and Santa Fe with a trip to Chamayo, a sacred site. And it will be not your ordinary retreat or conference-like weekend. It will be a time of rest and rejuvenation, spiritual practices with contemplative prayer, and a time to hit the reset button and connect with people in conversation and in thoughtful ways over shared meals. When I went to New Mexico for the first time, I was so enchanted with the beautiful landscape. You could see the weather coming in an hour or two away. You could see where it was raining and where and the direction the weather was coming in toward you. The vast landscapes and the mountains in the high elevation of the high desert there have a kind of tranquilizing, soothing effect on the soul, the whole self. It so impacted me, I wanted to bring people back to experience it for themselves and guide people along with soul care to help renew their spirits. If you think you need some time like that and you'd like to experience something very new, very different environment, and do a reset for yourself, I urge you to please go to sparkmymuse.com and click the links there for information or search for it on eventbrite.com. There is an early bird pricing available until the end of 2019. And you can save $100 by getting the early bird ticket special. Today, I want to talk a little bit about the book I'm reading right now. It's a fantastic book. I highly recommend it. It's called Embodied Spirits, Stories of Spiritual Directors of Color. It's edited by Sherry Bryant Johnson, Rosalie Norman McNanny, I hope I said that right, and Therese Taylor Stinson. And one of the things I'm trying to do is read outside of my narrow purview and what tends to be the dominant culture that Americans are inundated with. We're typically inundated with an Anglo-European American white male choices and this dominated culture. And that this has been true since the founding of the country and all the history has been taught sort of from this point of view. But what we can kind of understand from some of the gifts of postmodernity is that there are a lot of other voices and there are a lot of other contexts that when we explore them, we gain a richness with these new perspectives. That there isn't just one perspective that counts, that many perspectives adds to the overall richness of our understanding. My eyes have really been opened to understanding the spiritual formation and the contemplative spiritual experiences of people of color, and also how much I resonate deeply 
with those types of spiritual experiences and connections in a way that solidifies the connection of the image of God in all of us. My study of Howard Thurman and reading a bunch of his books really connected me deeply in spirit with the notion of God as imminent and transcendent, ineffable and not definable, but also present with me all the time. And from there, I found a lot of other writers that have touched me so deeply. I'm going to read a bit from this book, but I also wanted to speak about challenging people to read outside their narrow view. One thing I've noticed in a lot of the churches that I've grown up in, pretty conservative churches and go to a fairly conservative church now that's a Methodist offshoot. The pastors have been male, and usually when they quote theologians and authors, spiritual teachers, they most often will quote people who look like them or about the same age as them and that are American or occasionally European. And without careful consideration, we will be attracted to people who look and sound like us, and we won't learn. And people who don't look and sound like us will make us uncomfortable. And we are resistant to learn from people outside outside of our own narrow view. This usually happens unconsciously, and we have to put ourselves in the position to read outside of our little zone. So I put out the question publicly on Facebook to our pastors and to my friends and other people from church, who are you reading that's, that's different from you? What female theologians or authors are you reading and who have impacted you and who you're reading now? And I waited for those results. I, and I also provided a reading list. Some of these people don't make it to the bestseller lists. They have wonderful work. They are intelligent, good scholars, and good academics, but they don't make it to the bestseller list for the same reason that the dominant culture stays the dominant culture. So in the show notes today, they will be free and public to anyone who wants them. They will be available on a link for this episode, Lesson 142, and you can get a list of links for people of color, and women who you might have not heard of who have done some fantastic work and you can broaden your reading list and your understanding of spiritual writers. I was also reading letters from a Birmingham jail this week, Martin Luther King's letter that he famously wrote when he was arrested in Alabama. And I will make this available in the show notes as well. You can read it for yourself. It's a fantastic epistle. Everyone should have a chance to read it. The letter from the Birmingham jail still pierces our consciousness, and it reminds us that the idea of equality without the embodiment of it, and the capitulation to the valuing of all people while still propping up dehumanizing hierarchies, counts as freedom denied. Sometimes we need the courage to ask uncomfortable questions about who is valued, and who is truly treated as equal. And there is likely going to be the message somehow sent back to you, maybe through a look or an undertone or a short message 
that your questions are basically fine in general, but you shouldn't get too excited or wound up. And you probably shouldn't ask too many questions. And that probably nothing good will come about of asking these questions or really poking around and changing the status quo. If you seem dogged and your points are thought out and thorough, some of your questions will either be heard and dismissed, or you'll be told that they're thoughtful and important, but it's really complicated. And it's true. It is complicated. <laughs> Change doesn't come easily. And when people in the dominant culture feel that other people shouldn't have a chance to speak or be heard or teach as they have been, there's something at stake. If equality is at stake, the biggest complication can be that they don't want to go into battle for something that's really not personally injuring them. The people in authority or the gatekeepers don't really want to go to bat for something that doesn't personally harm them or have anything personally to do with them. Maybe they think, wouldn't it be nice if you go find something else to take up your time? Martin Luther King Jr. said that freedom is never voluntarily given by the oppressor. It has to be demanded by the oppressed. The oppressor or the gatekeeper may even be helpful and seem helpful toward us. The gatekeeper may give you a kind of a hearing when you are asking for equality. But then you'll come to some kind of resistance. Don't alter the status quo. Anything that might penetrate that veneer of stability, the institution always fears change, always fears disruption. This is an existential threat. This is true in every kind of challenge to the status quo, whether it was Martin Luther nailing his theses onto the Wittenberg door, whether it was the Tea Party throwing tea into the water when they were revolting. It's disruptive. It challenges authority. Sometimes gatekeepers will act kindly toward us, and they might say, let's be patient. Not everybody understands this like we do. This takes time because people aren't used to things this way. But people are used to sinning, in fact. And when they can do it and not feel guilty about it, they'll keep doing it. To be confronted with the trespass of inequality and the hypocrisy of declaring the Christian tenet of equality in Christ, only to gut it a moment later by preferring men over women or white men over ones of color as teachers and communicators is to remind people of their sin against the work of Christ and the unity and equality we have in Christ, as Paul talks about. So be assured the pushback will probably be fierce if you try to confront this, if you try to ask for a change or question, just ask questions about should we consider change, should we consider seeing things differently? Or there will be just an ignoring, and you'll wonder if anybody heard your questions at all. Because you shouldn't make things difficult for leadership. The status quo is what is feared the least, and what seems disruptive will annoy people the most. But paternalism is no allyship. It is part of the bondage of a system that keeps freedom to just a privileged few. The powerful wish to not give away power 
or to negotiate its distribution. They may try to be judicious and quell you with promises or to put timetables on your freedom. Maybe Jesus would say to these leaders, woe to you teachers and preachers of the word, putting timetables on another's freedom, determining what equality looks like and who is allowed to teach you the things of God, all while you enjoy the spoils of power and authority. And some may say your exclusion does not mean you're not valued. So what is value? Is value respect? The lack of equality betrays the conviction about equality itself. We can never say you're good and equal, but not for this. Paul never qualifies the gifts of the body according to gender. Each person has their own qualifications and gifts according to God's and the Holy Spirit giving of them. And now I want to talk a little bit about the life of prayer. Prayer is not something I think of at all as simply a petitioning of God from time to time or intercession for other people. To me, prayer is the total way of living our lives. It is, in fact, the presence of God with us, which is the reality of which we are living in. And from this fantastic book, Embodied Spirits, I will read from page 50, Henri Nouwen summarizing so eloquently what prayer is. He says it like this, It is not easy to express the radical change that prayer presents, since for many, the word prayer is associated with piety, talking to God, thinking about God, attending morning and evening worship, going to Sunday service, saying grace before meals, and many other things. All of these have something to do with prayer. But prayer is at the center of Christian life. It is living with God here and now. When we think of prayer as living with God here and now, we are never separated from the life of prayer. And prayer is unending, unceasing. In fact, prayer is what's going to sustain us in times when we are denied our freedom and denied our equality and our humanity compared to the dominant group. The spiritual sage and guide and rock of the civil rights movement and to Martin Luther King Jr. was the man, Dr. Howard Thurman. And I'm going to read his prayer as we close out today. It is a prayer that is a sustaining prayer. It is a prayer that we can keep in our minds over and over again. And it is part of the introduction on page 15 in the same book. One of the reasons I love this prayer, and I'm going to pray it now, is that we need a sense of grounding down, of centering down into spirit through thick and thin, through times of struggle and times of victory, or times where we sense that we are being respected as fully human and treated as equals and respected, and also times where we are in the depths of despair or struggling with any sorts of things that life uh, has for us that are negative or challenging or difficult. We are all going to sense struggle. We're all going to sense turmoil and difficulties. Things will happen to us, and we will happen to things. But Howard Thurman's wise words of wisdom show us how integral prayer is to our every moment of life. And as we consider that our lives are essentially practicing the presence of God in every moment, 
we must continually be in dialogue with God, asking for guidance, being thankful, being grateful, being worshipful. And in every moment, calling upon God to be with us and strengthen us. So I will leave you with this prayer, and I will add it to the show notes as well, so that maybe you can print it out, and it can be with you in your times of struggle. O oh God, I need Thee. I need Thy sense of time. Always, I have an underlying anxiety about things. Sometimes, I am in a hurry to achieve my ends and I am completely without patience. It is hard for me to realize that some growth is slow, that all processes are not swift. I cannot always discriminate between what takes time to develop and what can be rushed. Because my sense of time is dulled, I measure things in terms of happenings. Oh, to understand the meaning of perspective, that I may do all things with a profound sense of leisure. I need a sense of time. I need a sense of order. The confusion of the details of living is sometimes overwhelming. The little things keep getting in my way, providing ready-made excuses for failure to do and be what I know I ought to do and be. Much time is spent on things that are put into insignificant place in the scheme of order. I must unscramble place in my scheme of order. I must unscramble affairs so that my life will become order. Oh God, I need a sense of order. I need a sense of the future. Teach me to know that life is ever on the side of the future. Keep alive in me the forward look, the high hope, the onward surge. Let me not be frozen either by the past or the present. Grant me, O oh patient Father, thy sense of the future, without which all of life would sicken and die. Amen. I thank you for listening to the program today, and I ask for your support. I could really use it. Go to patreon.com forward slash sparkmymuse and please contribute at a dollar, five dollars, or ten dollars and make this work possible. See you next week. My Lord, no Can you tell?
And him then 